Jason Swain touchdown. It's time for the Swain event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whip him. It's time for the Swain event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Get into his house and a red flag. Swain Event, Swain Event.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. It is Thursday. It is the best day of the week. It is time for Ben McKee of Golf All 247 to drop some knowledge on you this morning. Ben, are you are you ready to do that? I'm always ready. How are you? What do you say about uh, being ready? I, I stay ready so I don't have to get ready, baby. There it is. There it is. 865-255-03 is our telephone number to the Sweat Event Hotline. I'm live here in the Low T Center studio. Ton to get to. A little bit different setup today. Um, no video today. We got Ben McKee on, on daddy duty and running errands. and um, So we rocking the show uh, despite life. <laughs> I mean, being a parent, you 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 have things come up with your child, and so uh, you're taking care of business today. But we we're rocking the show. Got you on the phone, and um, and glad to be able to talk some Tennessee sports with you. A lot of stuff going on, Ben. Uh, the last time we were here, we talked about Chase Burns and him him hitting the portal. It officially did not happen. We talked about it, but. Um, the next morning, he officially hit the portal, and it created a little bit of a frenzy. And here we are, Ben. We got some dudes from the portal. And I've said this consistently for the last 48 hours, that Tennessee baseball in in the transfer portal, it's going to be a net positive. Yeah, you're going to lose Burns. He's a hell of a player, a lot of talent. But you're going to get more talent from the portal and it's going to be a net positive. So where are we right now, Ben? Uh, in a great position. Obviously it's not ideal to lose a guy like Chase Burns uh, because he could be the number one overall pick in, in next year's draft. But uh, quite frankly, uh, just simply put, I mean, we alluded to it on Tuesday morning uh, after I broke the news right before we started the show on, on Tuesday morning. Uh, it, it's, it's addition by subtraction. I, I think uh, the coaches, the players, I think they feel that way, but not just addition by subtraction. Uh, I think there, there's also addition by addition uh, with some of the players that, that they're going to be bringing in. Uh, they've picked up, I guess it's two transfers since we spoke on Tuesday. Uh, they picked up NC State catcher Cannon Peebles, uh, who is a, a stud. Cannon. Yes, and I, I love I love your thought there on, on the cannon cannon, um, but also you. yes, <laughs> and I, that, dude, that's one of the things I love most about uh, you following baseball now is like <laughs> you'll text me things like this <laughs> that have nothing to do with baseball, nothing, but it, it it but they're great, 
They're great. Like that is a great thought. Like he has to have a walk up song that starts with Cannon, Cannon. Um for anybody who listens to, to hip hop or rap, they they've heard the they've heard the songs when the the beat get get shout out or, or the producers get shout out at the beginning with, with the Cannon, Cannon. Uh so you're spot on there. And but also not only that, but Cannon for a catcher is an absolutely perfect perfect name um because uh he's a catcher and, and hopefully for tennessee's sake uh he he does have a cannon and uh he's known more as a as a hitter swain uh he has an elite offensive profile in the in the baseball vocabulary <laughs> um but he has a, a ton of power like f- 15 home runs should be the absolute floor for him this season uh, in a full season of at bats, like the the kid can absolutely uh, swing it w- with a lot of power. Uh, he's disciplined. He, he's a big competitor. Uh, he's a switch hitter, uh, and he's just really, really talented offensively. Uh, and everybody thinks of him offensively, and and he needs to prove himself defensively. But uh, Tennessee does like what they've seen from him uh, on the defensive aspect and defensive side of things. He, he's sure-handed. Uh, he he kind of catches on, on one knee, uh, very similar to, to the way Evan Russell did. But uh, they, they saw him up in, in the Cape Cod earlier this week, and, and Tennessee was, was really excited about what they saw defensively. And, and Josh Elander, he, he doesn't get enough credit for how great of a uh, catching coach he is. That That's not his main role or uh, not his title, I should say, not his title. He's uh, the, the hitting coach and, and re- recruiting coordinator. He, he wears a lot of different hats. Uh, again, recruiting coordinator, hitting coach, and he's also in charge of the catchers. That, that's what he played uh, and was well on his way to, to being a big leaguer uh, until he ran into some injuries and, and I believe was in the Braves organization at the same time Brian McCann was. But And I don't remember what year it was, maybe 2012 or, or somewhere along there. I mean, he was the, the Braves minor league player of the year, if I remember correctly. So uh, Josh Elander is elite at developing catchers. They've just had some unfortunate situations out of their control pop up the last couple of years at that position. And that's why they've had to, to throw a plan together and, and roll with it. And given the circumstances, they, they've done the best that they can. So uh, Peebles is an, an absolute stud. Uh, they, they were swimming with the Sharks in that one in terms of who they were competing against. Uh, but mostly he picks Tennessee over Vanderbilt, Virginia, and South Carolina, if if that tells you anything. And he is from Virginia, and Virginia just made it to the College World Series and just produced an, an All-American catcher and Kyle Trill. So for Tennessee to land him uh, over that and and Vanderbilt uh, and, and the likes of South Carolina, that's, that's just a huge, huge pickup. Uh, and then the other one is Nate Sneed, a right-handed pitcher who is a freshman uh, this past season at Wichita State, uh, he's been up to 100 miles per hour, uh, mm-hmm. up to triple digits, uh, but mostly sits mid-90s, uh, and, and there's more more velocity on the way to, to where he's going to be hitting upper 90s and, and 100 more consistently. Uh, it, it's a low-effort delivery. Uh, he's a, a premium athlete, uh, and he's just scratching the service, surface of his ceiling. Uh, he, he's going to be really really good and he's somebody just like Peebles he could have gone just about anywhere in the country uh and picked Tennessee over LSU and Arkansas and it sounds like LSU wasn't too happy 
when they got the phone call that, that he was coming to Tennessee and, and not going to Baton Rouge. So uh, just two absolute studs that, that Tennessee has picked up in the portal uh, the last couple of days. And the best part, Swain, is this isn't like a, a one-year player like Maui and going to the draft. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's, it's like the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, when you trade for a player that has multiple years on their contract, it just makes them so much more valuable because you're going to have them for longer. And, and both of these guys, since they were true freshmen this past season, they're going to be at Tennessee for the next two years uh, b- before they do get drafted. So Tennessee's going to get two seasons uh, out of those guys, which is which is big. And uh, that, that's now three. We talked about A.J. Causey from Jacksonville State earlier this week. And uh, they're not they're not done yet. They they they've got another one who, who is just a a matter of when he announces. Um, and then they they've got some some big visits coming up. Uh, they, they've got one starting today with, with Billy Amick, uh, the Clemson transfer. Uh, that would be a, a real real big bat if they can go out and, and land him. So uh, Tennessee Tennessee's been great in the portal so far. Arguably has the best class in the portal. One of them and. Uh, could certainly add here in the next week or so. Raleigh Vall wants to know if you can touch on the incoming freshman and who do you think will have an instant impact? I know that people get kind of, or people got caught up a little bit in, in Chase Burns leaving, and there was not a lot of conversation about how Tennessee is bringing in one of the best recruiting classes, if not the best recruiting classes uh, in the country this upcoming season. But we always fear that these freshmen may bypass college and go straight to the majors. Now, we're happy for them, but we fear not having them as freshmen on Tennessee squad upcoming season. So who do you think will have an instant impact? It's a question from Riley Ball. Yeah, we, we we could have an hour conversation on this, so I will try to keep it as brief as I, I can. Just to, to hit on the top guys, uh, there are a couple that they are that they are worried about, and I will say that I believe this class, Wayne, according to Perfect Game, uh, you you can look it up while I'm talking right now, uh, the 2023 class on Perfect Game is between like 10 and 15, which is really, really good, but that, that top class in the country, the arguable one that you just mentioned, that's the the 2024 class, um, and then the 2025 class. I believe in 24 they're ranked number one, and then in 25 they're ranked number two, gotcha. or vice versa. But um, th- but still, this class is is really really good. 14, um, 14, 14. Perfect game. Uh, 14. Got 21 commits, one top 100 player. So that's that's yeah. 2023. And then 2024, Tennessee is the number one rated class with seven top 100 players. Yes. Uh, and then 25, they're ranked number two. And, I mean, it, it's they are recruiting at an Alabama and Georgia football level um, in, in baseball. 25 and right. three. Okay, well, then that, that's got bumped down a little bit. Yeah. Um, so Vanderbilt's that, in the number two spot. For some reason, they think they're going to get a uh, – Chase Burns. And honestly, I don't care if they do get Chase Burns. Well, I, I can assure you uh, that they are not getting Chase Burns. Uh, he, he will be – I will be very, very surprised. I guess I shouldn't say it as a matter of fact because in today's day and age of, of recruiting, things can change. Um, but 
and I, I've I've frankly stopped thinking of Chase Burns. Uh, but as of of Tuesday, I mean, it, it was. I would be very, very surprised if he is not pitching for TCU next year. I know SEC fans are hoping LSU and and, and Vanderbilt, and uh, unless something changes, I, I do not at all see that happening. Uh, I mean, the, the young man was was playing out in the outfield during batting practice in Omaha with a purple TCU glove, and not not a coincidence wow. either. But I'm I'm gonna keep it moving. Wow. Um, so some of these freshmen. Coming in, I'll hit on the top ones that they're kind of nervous about with the draft. There's three pitchers that that they're nervous about: uh, Braden Sharp, he's a lefty and a center fielder from the Woodlands, Texas, which is the Houston area, uh, and that's a big time baseball district. And he's been the two time district MVP in that area. They feel like he could potentially be their first true two way player uh, in terms of being a center fielder, left hander who's already up to 95 on the bump and we, we, we're starting to see more and more two-way players in, in college baseball be really, really talented. I uh, like the Jack Caglione's of the world uh, and, and Tennessee signed a couple like a Drew Gilbert, but it just didn't work out once they got to Tennessee. Um, but they feel like this kid, Braden Sharp could be their first legitimate two-way player that, that comes in and strikes somebody out on the mound for, for like comes in from center field, strikes somebody out and then goes back out to center field after he gets the guy out. Uh, this kid is, is really, really talented. Uh, there's Matthew Dallas. He's a left-handed pitcher from Briarcrest uh, in the Memphis area. Uh, he, he's up to 94, and he's up to 94 with with just 180 pounds on him. So uh, once he gets gets with Q and gets in the weight room, uh, he, he has a nice frame at six foot six where he's going to add uh, some weight, and uh, he's going to be able to add to that, to that mid-90s velocity. Uh, and he's somebody who started the gold medal game for the 18U USA team, uh, I, I guess, last summer uh, it, it was. Uh, so he's somebody that they're nervous with with the draft. And, and then Derek Schaefer, he's a right-hander uh, from Phoenix, Arizona, uh, 6'4", up to 96 miles per hour, has great secondary pitches already. And uh, he's somebody that's going to be able to add to his frame uh, as as well. So those three pitchers that they're going to be a little bit nervous about, uh, and mostly because you just never know how the draft is going to play out. Uh, kids and, and families go into the draft with a certain number in mind, uh, and then either teams uh, randomly throw more money than expected, uh, or B, the, the offer actually gets in front of them for X amount of money, and it's hard to turn down in that moment. So th- those are the arms to keep an eye on. Uh, Stone Lawless is a catcher from Huntsville High School. Uh, your former rival, uh, he is an absolute stud. Uh, one of the top catchers in the country at the high school level. 6'3", 230. I mean, absolutely yoked up for a, a high school senior. Uh, advanced glove, advanced power. I mean, he, he is the real deal. And I, I think Tennessee's going to benefit from from some unfortunate circumstances for Stone Lawless. Stone, who is another great baseball name, uh, he tore his labrum and had labrum surgery, I believe, his junior year. So he had to, he, he was going to go like do all the perfect game, all American stuff and, and like all these high level, uh, essentially draft events. Mm-hmm. And because he tore his labrum, he had to miss those events. And if he goes to those events, then probably he's probably getting drafted high enough to where. To, he's not coming to Tennessee, but uh, he, he's he's really excited to get to Tennessee. 
Uh, sounds like he, when he was informed that Tennessee was adding Peebles, the catcher from NC State, he was like, okay, cool. It's the SEC. I expect to compete uh, and, and was not worried about it at all uh, and said that he trusted the coaching staff. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, and he's going to be a, a, a stud. And one other quick thing that I wanted to add about the catcher's position, because it has been a, a source of frustration, I guess you could say, the last couple of years, they're in a great position at the catcher spot these next five to, to seven years. They've got Peebles coming in. They've got Stone Lawless. Uh, they still have Cal Stark, and I think he is a guy that, that can play in this league. We can have that conversation a, a different time, but uh, I, I think it's going to be adding Peebles, the NC State kid. It's going to be great for competition in the room. Uh, you've got Stone Lawless. There's no pressure on him to play right away because you added Peebles. But then also, next year's class, they've, they've got two of the top catchers in the country committed as well, and, and Levi Clark uh, from Georgia and Brooks Wright, who is playing at Bearden here in Knoxville. They're two of the best catchers in the country next year's class. And then there's another one in the 2025 class. So uh, they're set up to have some studs at the catcher's position, which I, I know um, fans will be really, really excited about. Uh, two other names that need to be mentioned in, in relation to the draft is Carson Rucker, uh, Jake Rucker's little brother. Uh, who is an infielder, has a big frame, a more physical version of Jake. He has the chance to be an absolute superstar. Uh, and, and he's probably the one that they're most nervous about um, going into the draft because his his profile continues to skyrocket. Uh, and now he's being talked about in that third to fifth round range, which is um, uh, 700000 probably, uh, the, the, the signing bonus that, that he would get if, the slot value is what I was looking to, to say there. Uh, so they're they're pretty nervous about Carson Rucker, but we'll, we'll see how that one plays out. Obviously, uh, Jake playing here probably helps the situation a, as well. Uh, but he he's somebody that could come in and, and compete to be the starting shortstop from day one as a true freshman, which is really hard to do in the SEC. And, and then the other one is Dean Curley. Uh, he's from Laverne, California. Uh, can play all over the field, premier athlete, laid back, big-time competitor. Uh, and, and has a ton of tools, so uh, they've they've got some big time big time kids coming in. Ariel Antigua, a uh, shortstop from Lake Worth, Florida, uh, he, he's a stud. Cole Eaton uh, from Nebraska, uh, he, he's got some big time physical traits. Uh, throws 102 miles an hour from the outfield, a six five sixty runner. Uh, th- this is a big time freshman class coming into a situation where Tennessee's landing a big portal class. And they already have a, a really, really nice nucleus of, of players on campus as well. Take you a deep breath, Ben McKee. Take you a deep breath. Deep breath. Woo. Boy, that was a lot. Uh, Nathaniel, love the three portal additions so far. Nathaniel wants to know if we have any shortstop uh, targets in the portal. Uh, or, or or do you think going to root uh, roll with uh, – uh, jazz love or more uh, another infielder or move the infielder to shortstop already we'll have a freshman come in that can play there uh then jennifer moore says ben is on fire this morning keep bringing the baseball nuggets vol storm says cal stark hasn't shown much we'll have to see 44 vol says am i missing something what's attractive about tcu ben uh <laughs> I can't answer that. TCU is a a nice little baseball spot right now. Uh, Their coach seems like a really, really fun guy to play for. That they were in the College World Series this year. Uh, It's it's the state of Texas. They have a good baseball program. 
and, and they've not just this past year, but I believe they've been to Omaha a couple of other times recently uh, as, as well. But I, I know it, it's still random for a guy like Chase Burns. Uh, I believe there's a, a connection there with, with the agent uh, and TCU, and I, I believe that's why he would end up there. There it is. 865-255-03 is our telephone number. Toby Owaka. Woo-hoo! Woo! That boy putting in some work right now, or already putting in some work. Um, Big time expectations for him based on what he has done this summer. Also, one of my favorite things of the offseason is to hear anonymous coaches give their opinions on Tennessee's football program. One of my favorite things. I think it's very valuable. I don't need to know who said it. Don't care. Don't care. This is one of those situations where I don't care. You don't have to put your name or face with your quote. I don't care. There's value. We will discuss coming up on the other side. Swain Event Fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Stay with us. The Swain Event is brought to you by Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant, Dead End Barbecue. Check them out online at deadendbbq.com. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris, at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. Freedom Motors is the local pre-owned car dealer who does more for you than any other dealer around. You want convenience? You can check out their entire line of vehicles online at freedommotorstn.com. And when you find what you like, they'll bring the vehicle right to your door. That's a dealer who cares about you and your time. Shop Freedom Motors today and let's get you in your new ride. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go. Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Guys, let me talk to you here. If you've noticed a lack of energy, motivation, and drive, it could be Low T. Schedule your complete health assessment at Low T Center. They now offer the convenience of monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for just $155 a month cash pay or covered by most health insurance. If you don't live near a Low T Center or you need the convenience of an at-home treatment, Low T Center makes it easy to get started on treatment. Only your first two visits are in person. Go to lowtcenter.com now to book online. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Ben McKee, Jason Swain. Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. If you want a quick and easy lunch, go with the pulled pork sandwich, fries. You can go with their 
house-made chips. Or if you want to take it to the top, take it over the top. You go with one of Ben's favorites, the Bernie Mac. The Mac Attack. I saw where Volstorm got himself some Bernie Mac. And the next day, bragged about having some leftovers. And the immediate response, Ben, was, how do you have leftovers? How did you eat just a little bit without finishing the rest of it? How? And Volstorm said, no, I had two orders. <laughs> That's how you do it right there, man. That is how you do it. One for now, one for later. That is how you do it. When you go to Dead End Barbecue. Uh, Brian Hunsucker says, y'all better get the football recruiting before Nelson has an aneurysm. There's a lot of wait and see with football. I mean, the guys, the staff did a great job over the weekend, but there's just not anybody committing right now. I think July is going to be a big, big month. But folks who are committing right now, that's, that's baseball. We know Tennessee is sitting in, sitting in some really good places for certain players. And I feel like we discussed on uh, Tuesday Tennessee's in a good place. Now, Elijah Russing is going to make his announcement on the 6th. Looks like he's going to make that announcement on 247 Sports. How about that, Benjamin? Um, You know, Amari Jefferson, that's Tennessee, Alabama. Braylon Russell, we talked about him on Tuesday. Grown man. Tennessee's in a good place there. I mean, got to get some more dudes in the trenches. They don't doubt about that. Bennett Warren, the tackle from Texas, since he's making a move in a good way with, with him. But we need somebody to commit. Man, why don't you call some of these dudes and tell them to commit? I will I will do just that. Tennessee's going to get some next month. Uh, I, I think that's the other thing people need to to realize. And I know Brian was just messing with us. Um, the next month's like next week. Yeah. I mean, the next the, the start of next month is next week. This is the 29th. So, I mean, July's going to be a good month for Tennessee. Ju- July's the new December in the early signing period and, and the new – February from the old signing period. I think because it's right before football camp, football season starts for those high school players. Like they want to commit, get that out of the way, and then finish up their their senior year in high school. Because some guys want to extend it out too. So, but July is a a hot month for recruiting. So, hold on, Nelson. 
You'll get your recruits. They coming. Sometimes you can't just make news when there's not any news. But they're coming. For sure. You know who's coming? Toby Owaka. He's coming. I'll be honest, man. When Tennessee t- signed Toby Walker, I was like, oh, we gonna we just going to sign Zakai's homeboy, huh? <laughs> that, that was me. Y'all think y'all just are the only ones who, who think crazy, emotional stuff. The difference is I don't say them. Some of y'all say them without thinking. <laughs> I, I actually think about it. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to put that out there. No, nah, I'm going to hold that. I'm going to hold that. I ain't going to say that. I ain't going to say that out loud. But, like, my first reaction was, oh, I've been waiting on Rick to recruit some studs in the post, some some day one contributors. We recruited the Kenny Chandlers, the Keon Johnsons, the Jaden Springers, guys on the perimeter, day one contributors. What about post players? What about post players, Rick? Toby Walker's a freshman. Showed me more toughness than veterans in the paint. That's what he showed me. He showed me a very high ceiling. Someone that could be coached hard. I mean, mentally tough and physically tough. And what Toby Awaka is currently doing, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch Toby Awaka. I know the order of sports around here, folks. You don't have to remind me. You don't have to remind me that that, that football is next. Don't be, don't skip over football. But it's hard for me not to. Notice what Toby Awaka is doing. It's hard. Selected along with uh, Freddie DeLeon to play for the the United States 19 under team. So that's a huge, huge honor. But Toby Walker, all he has been doing is dropping double doubles. <laughs> they need they need him to to do not not average a double double no. per se, but they they need him to be uh, productive next season um, be, because they they we talked about it uh, that they are I, I think they're they're living life a, a little bit on the edge by by going into next season. Uh, with uh, Jonas Adu and uh, Tobe as their their guys up front uh, in the backcourt, uh, and then like I I really like Jonas and I like Tobe, but there's still a level of uncertainty there, uh, which which can be a little nerve wracking. I think yeah. uh, when going into a season and, and just knowing how important that post position is to, to Rick's system, um, but they they need they need Jonas to take a big step. I think they need him to take the biggest step defensively and then a nice step offensively. 
Uh, and then I, I think Tobit, they need Tobey to take a, a big step as well. If, if those two guys have big off seasons to, to complement everything else that, that Tennessee is going to have, I mean, the, the, this team is, watch out. They're, they're going to be one of the best in the country. Not saying they'll, they'll go win the national championship or, or be number one, but have a chance. Uh, they, they will they will be one of the top five, top ten teams in, in the country, I feel like. Yeah, all you're doing is building talent to have a chance. I mean, and then you coach and develop them, and you want to have some luck on your side with injuries, things like that. But, like, this team will be one of the best teams in the country. My question to you, Ben, and you're all over the, the Tennessee basketball beat. You're going to practices. You're talking to folks. I got eyeballs too, though. I'm watching the games. And I saw the big jump that Jamal Meshack had. And I thought he did a pretty good job. All of a sudden, just, hey, we're going to put you a point guard in the most crucial point of the season. And I thought he did a pretty good job. Was he perfect? No. You turned the ball over? Yeah. But, like, I love great defenders guarding the opposing point guard. It sets the whole defensive mentality in the right way. Like, it it sets the tempo. Excuse me, it sets the tone for the defense where you have a great defender on the ball. And Jamal Mayshack provided that for, for us. And then we saw his confidence with his shot. And his shot at the end of the last season versus his shot when he first got here, like we saw the improvement. And we anticipate his shot continuing to improve. And so um, during the locker room last year, he was one of the guests, man. And I asked him how long did it take for him to change his shot to the point where like it was his new shot. He didn't go back to old mechanics and old bad habits and brought up the fact that Rick Barnes basically changed Kevin Punter's shot in a, in a couple months. And look what Kevin Punter's doing right now. Like he's one of the most high prized players overseas. I, the last thing I saw was like Kevin Punter was about to get offered $1.5 million to play on the squad. Like he is very, very valuable. On one, on one of the best squads in, overseas and international by AC Milan or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, like he like like punter balling now. He is balling. And a big reason for that is offensively he has a complete game overseas. And part of that, having that complete game is having a jump shot, which at one point wasn't consistent until Rick Barnes worked on his shot. But I brought up Kevin Punter and Mayshack knew exactly what I was talking about. He's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. But he was like, it didn't take long at all for him to develop this new shot where he was making consistently. Dude, who's going to have the biggest jump in 2023, in your opinion? Will it be Toby Awaka, or will it be Jamal Meshack? Yeah, that, that, that's a fascinating question. And, and I saw your tweet, uh, I guess it was yesterday, last night, yesterday afternoon. I I, I think that's going to be a great competition to, to see who takes the, the biggest jump. I think just off the top of my head, without putting a ton of thought into it, I think I would say Tobey just because his floor was lower and there's more for him to more for him to, to, to get to, I guess. 
because Jemai's kind of already asserted himself. And not to say that Jemai can't take another huge jump. But I think it's I think it's very, very possible. I I, I just think that Jemai is already a, a really, really good college basketball player. And now it's just about solidifying what he does well and imposing it on the opponents. Whereas Tobey, I mean, there, there were big developmental steps that Tobey needs to take uh, and appears to be taking. Uh, whereas with Jemai, it was more of a, a refined thing, uh, in, in my opinion. And like, again, I, I still think there's room for him to improve. I'm not trying to say that. There's always room for you to improve as an athlete and, and really in everyday life. All of us have something we can be working on. Um, but I, I'm going to say Tobey, just because, again, I, I think his, he, he was lower on the totem pole. His floor was, was lower uh, just going into the offseason. But I, I think both of those guys are, are going to have huge offseasons. It's really, really hard to outwork both of them. Uh, they are always in the gym. They are always working on their craft. Uh, they are exceptional young men. Uh, Jemai Meshack has an infectious personality, as I'm sure that you saw yep. uh, during his interview. And anybody who's listened to Jemai knows exactly what I'm talking about. The, yep. the young man is just absolutely awesome. Yep. Uh, now, Tobey, Tobey's awesome. He, he's just kind of more quiet and, and reserved. Uh, but he, he's he's a teammate favorite in, in that locker room, and, and the coaches really, really like him. Uh, and, I mean, he reminds me of Grant Williams. And not saying that he's going to go be the two-time SEC player of the year. I, I don't think Tobey is as good as Grant, but I, I think her. they have similar <laughs> similar games um, and can can be – and I don't think that he's going to go be a, a first-round pick by the Boston Celtics at some point either. But just like the, the hard-nosed, undersized kind of power forward, if you want to call him that, reminds me a lot of Grant. And, and they have a lot of same the same mannerisms as well if, if you watch Tobey kind of move around. So uh, to- Tobey's going to pull down a, a million rebounds next year. I, I will be surprised if he doesn't lead the SEC in, in rebounding. Uh, in, in terms of total rebounds, I don't, I don't know about rebounds per game. I, I guess that maybe goes hand in hand. But uh, if, if he can take the offensive jump in SEC play and in college basketball the way he's doing uh, during this FIBA USA tournament, then, I mean, again, it just changes the complete trajectory of, of Tennessee basketball season because it's not it, – Jemai and Tobey, they're obviously great talking points right now, but uh, Josiah, Santi, they're obviously back, and, and you kind of know what you're going to get from both of those guys at this point. Uh, I've heard great things about Dalton Connect uh, and his just ability to, to score. I, I, I said it several months ago or whenever they landed him. Like I think he's going to be one of the most underrated transfer additions in the entire country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think, I think he's really, really good. Jordan Ganey, uh, his, his shot is pure, man. He, he he just has a pure shot. It's beautiful. Uh, and, you know, I don't think he's going to shoot 50% like he did as a true freshman, but I also don't think he's going to shoot 30% um, from three like he did this past season. It's probably somewhere in the middle. And if it is somewhere in the middle, I mean, that's a 45% or 40%, 37 40% three-point shooter, which that that's one of the best three-point shooters in the country right there if you shoot it at that clip. And I think Chris Ledlam's fitting in well. Uh, Freddie. DeLeon's going to take a big step uh, going into his redshirt freshman year after enrolling early. 
he's on he's on NBA draft. He's on NBA uh, mock draft first round. He should be. He's a bucket man. He's a bucket. He. I watched him in practice. I I watched him give veterans buckets. Uh, Now he wasn't playing because you could also see that he did not have any idea what he was doing. Um, and didn't really know where to be and, and, and where to go because it was, it was, I mean, again, he was, it was his spring semester of senior year of high school and, and he's going through Rick Barnes led practices. Like he was drinking water out of a, a fire hose for him. But was he but you ball- could see but, that he's a bucket. But was he balling when he got the ball in his hands as far as getting to the basket? Yes. And kind of when things break down and, and you got to make something happen real quick, he, he puts it on you. Like that kid is going to be an absolute stud. So, uh, I know everybody's excited for football as they should be, and I, 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 this is a, another topic for another day, I think. But it almost kind of feels like if, and I'm not saying this because I, I love baseball the most, but it feels like baseball interest has has surpassed basketball interest at this point. Um, you might be right, but let me let me ask you this, yeah. man. Because I know you got to run. I, I, yeah, yeah, I got yeah. to ask you this right quick. Because uh, yeah, yeah. ball teacher wants to know is Zane didn't coming back. If not, what does Tennessee do at third base? Then we got to let you roll. Uh, Zane Denton, I, I, I think that's up in the air. Uh, Zane would obviously like to get drafted, I think. Not think. I know that he would like to get drafted. Uh, but I, I don't know that, that teams are really asking about him right now uh, just because it, there's not that one skill set that just absolutely jumps off the page at you. Uh, so I, I think it's I think it's possible. I, I think it depends on whether a team decides to take a chance on him uh, and if he's able to get the money that that he's looking for. But also, it, it doesn't really seem that he's, uh, you know, looking to, to just get a paycheck. He, he wants a chance to play professional baseball, as he should. Um, but, again, he, he in my opinion, he's a really good baseball player. I'm not trying to say that he's not. But he doesn't have the, the wow tools that, that just pop out at you. Uh, as it relates to being drafted and, and being a professional uh, baseball player. So it's certainly a chance that he comes back, uh, and, and it'll be really interesting uh, to, to see what they what they do with him. Uh, they're they're kind of tinkering with guys this offseason and different positions they could possibly play. Uh, Blake Burke working a little bit in the corner outfield spots this summer, mm-hmm. uh, which would – yeah, I don't, I don't see that one sticking – um, but they're they're at least trying to add some pre- position versatility. Uh, Christian Moore, he's always also working uh, in the outfield. He he started. Uh, he he's over in Team USA. I think we talked about that this week. He's over in North Carolina playing for Team USA, and I, I think he has a really good shot to make the, the final team uh, that's going to be announced today. Uh, but he he started that first game of of the three inter squads against one another uh, in right field earlier this week. So Simo uh, and and. Burke are, are getting some outfield reps, um, and I, I, I could see the situation. I don't know that it's likely, but maybe Zane Denton plays a, a little second base. Uh, so they're, they're trying a lot of different things, as they should this time of year, uh, because they're going to have so many bats, Swain. Like they, they, the, the, the lineup is going to be explosive next year when it's all said and done, and like one through nine could, could have d- double-digit homers. Uh, and they, they, they're trying to add the Emmett kid who would probably play third base, uh, Ryan Galaney, who I think they're in a really, really good spot with, as I've said all week, uh, the Wofford transfer. He, he played first base this past year, played third base the year prior. I think Tennessee wants him at, at third base. He could also play corner outfield. They're, they're going to have a ton of bats on the roster. I mean, like 
15 of them for, for nine spots. And so I think that's why you're, you're seeing them tinker with positions this offseason. Nothing set in stone. And, and again, I don't think Blake Burke will end up playing the corner outfield spots. I think it's more of a trial by error type of situation uh, and, and just making sure that they can have as much flexibility as they possibly can so they can put bats in the lineup and, and put them in different spots to get them in the lineup. All right, Ben, you're giving people enough. You, you got you got an appointment here in two minutes, dude. Like, my goodness. You, you give them too much, Ben. You gave him everything. Everything that you had, man. You emptied the bucket. You gave your all for the Swain event. That's Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. Appreciate you, Ben. Yeah, and I didn't even mention that Tennessee's in a good spot for Alabama transfer Luke Coleman. So, appreciate you, Swain. All right, man. Take it easy. That's Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. Got to take care of little Knox. Everybody wish Knox... Some love. Make sure Knox gets well. Okay. Vol fan on the text box with a good comment. I'm taking you home for the rest of the show. Coming up next, anonymous quotes from opposing coaches about the 2023 Tennessee football team. Oh, man, this is good stuff. Text box wide open for you. 865-255-03 is our number to the Swain Event Hotline. I'm live here in the Low T Center studio. We will take a quick time out and come back after this Swain Event Fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain Event app. Guys, let me talk to you here. If you've noticed a lack of energy, motivation, and drive, it could be Low T. Schedule your complete health assessment at Low T Center. They now offer the convenience of monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for just $155 a month cash pay or covered by most health insurance. If you don't live near a Low-T Center or you need the convenience of an at-home treatment, Low-T Center makes it easy to get started on treatment. Only your first two visits are in person. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book online. Low-T Center, reinventing men's health care. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to DeadEndBBQ.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Hey there, Swain Event crew. Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're in everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. Go Vols! Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes! Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. We appreciate all of the support. There's been a lot of new 
in the last 14 months or so. There's been some change. We stopped doing Swain event every morning for three hours from 7 to 10. We moved it to the evenings on Thursday. Thursday, the baseball games made it difficult to be consistent there. We knew there was a void in the morning that we had left. We listened to you about your mornings and adjustments were made. Obviously, some things had to come together to be able to do this weight event during this time slot. But that all worked out. And here we are on Tuesdays and Thursdays doing the show at 8 a.m. If you have looked at your podcast feed under the Swain event, you've noticed some of the times of the show, the, the, the lengths of the show. They've been well over 60 minutes. And because of the great response from potential advertisers, I've had meetings on top of meetings from businesses that want to be a part of the Swain event. It looks like we're going to be forced to extend the show past 9 a.m. on a consistent basis. And so that's a testament to, to you, my listeners. Um, obviously, we'll take a little bit of credit, being in myself. But fired up about the future, short-term, long-term with the Swain event. Again, just appreciate you. The best way you can support Obviously, he's listening and sharing. But when it comes time to buy a house or go go out to eat or you need work done at your house or, fellas, you're not feeling the way that you used to. And testosterone is an option for you. Call up the Low-T Center. Call up Hiller, Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. Go to Dead End Barbecue. Call up Jennifer Morris. Freedom Motors. Like these, these are our supporters. So support them. That's the best way you can support support us. Speaking of Hiller, special deals going on right now. Promotion going on right now. Today, tomorrow. you need an air conditioning replacement, this is the time to do it because for the rest of the month, you get a free UV light, free electronic air cleaner when you buy select HVAC systems. Whole home water filtration for just $59 a month. New whole home generator for just $139 a month. Call Hiller's Heat Wave Heroes to save the day. Visit happyhiller.com to book your 
appointment. So this article on 3.com. Anonymous opposing coach says Tennessee must develop wide receivers depth. Every year, Athlon Sports, part of their magazine, they go around and have conversations with coaches around the SEC, around the league. And one anonymous SEC coach said this about Tennessee. Quote, Joe Milton is not going to be hitting a hooker. So the ceiling won't be as high. They need to develop more depth at wide receiver to stay creative. This system is like a new age option offense where it's just hard as hell to practice it in a single week. And you get burned easily because you're tired. You can't replicate the tempo and pace unless you do it a little bit all season. And when they're up on you, kneeling is a nightmare to play in. The stadium is back to the way it used to be. So, when it comes to anonymous quotes, there's times when It may not hold water for you. If you don't put your name on it, it doesn't matter. Who said it? If we don't know who said it, it's not valid. It doesn't matter. Well, you can think that. But I understand why in this particular case, a coach wouldn't want to put the name on it. Why would you want to do that for Do you care about an honest assessment of your team that you cheer for or do you care about who said it? I don't care who said it. Is it true? That's all I care about in this case. Do I think it's true here? Yes, I do. We have witnessed this offense in the past two years. And although it has been explosive in the last two years, it has been different from year one to year two. And I anticipate it to be different in year three. Yet, still explosive in in putting up points. It's just how you do it, I think it's going to be a little bit different. Why? Because your personnel is going to be different. Joe Milton is not Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker is not Joe Milton. Hendon cannot throw it like Joe as far as distance. Hendon showed last year his deep ball accuracy was beautiful, especially the throw versus LSU to Jalen Hyatt. He dropped that out of the sky. It was perfect. Jalen Hyatt didn't have a chance to catch it. Jalen Hyatt didn't catch the ball. The ball caught Jalen Hyatt. That's how pretty the pass was. So I value anonymous quotes, especially when it comes from Athlon Sports. Because I know a coach from Texas A&M and, or, or Auburn that puts their name on it. I know why they're not going to do it. You don't want to create bullets and material. What if it's a negative comment? 
and there's an opening on Tennessee staff next year, and that coach may want to be on part of the staff, but he can't do it because he says something negative about Tennessee's program with his name on it. So there's just many reasons why coaches don't put their name on it, and I understand. They need to develop more depth at wide receiver to stay creative. Absolutely. How do you stay creative? Well, you you stay creative by having players that can do different things, different skill sets. You got your big body receiver and Brew McCoy. You have your all-around possession type receiver, your third down type of receiver in Ramel Keaton, who doesn't want to be just thrown in that box or labeled as just a possession receiver. He wants to be an all-around receiver. He showed last year he can make plays 35, 40 yards down the football field. You have your quick, shifty guy, Squirrel White. So, yeah, you want to continue to develop more depth so that way you can do different things. You can put Brew in close to the line of scrimmage, line him up as a tight end because he's physical. He brings more athleticism than any tight end you have on the roster. No offense to any tight end on the roster, but there may be a time where, hey, we're going to put the tight end outside. We're going to put Brew McCoy inside right after a run to the right or run to the left, and we're going to run this play so quick that the defense doesn't have time to adjust. Do you want an example? I'll give you an example. Missouri. It was a run to the right. Jalen Hyatt hid behind the line, lined up as a wing on the left. Outside receiver just basically ran a clear out route. Jalen Hyatt was wide open from the wing. A position on the field where normally a tight end would line up. But those are matchups you can create based on your personnel and the, the skill set of your personnel. But you can put Brute McCoy in that same position on the wing and run a run play and then come back the next play and then run a pass and then bruise wide open. So you like you can do these things based on your personnel. This system is like a new age option offense where it's hard as hell to practice it every week. People are trying to figure out this Tennessee offense. What's the what's the secret? What's the recipe? Well, it's tempo. I mean, that's a big part of it. This is why Tennessee said, you know what? We we don't need to play Army. Mm-mm. We we gonna need to go ahead and buy out that game. Nope, don't need to play Army. Nope, don't need to do it. Why? Because they play a style that is different from every other style that you play during the season. And I don't care if you play the team first. Because we saw in 2017, Tennessee get carved up by Georgia Tech running a triple option. And Tennessee had all freaking summer to prepare. With the help of a former ACC assistant that went up against Georgia Tech on a yearly basis. And we still got carved up. Did we win the game? Yes, but we got carved up. 
And that was playing Georgia Tech first. So imagine playing a service academy that runs a triple option with only one week of preparation. And you remember people were trying to turn it, turn the narrative. When Tennessee got out of their game with Army, they tried to turn it into something else. Oh, disrespectful to the service academy. Um, we're going to pay him, but we, we, we not going up against triple option and trying to prepare for that for a game in the middle of the season or even first. No, that's, we, we good. We'll play Virginia, <laughs> which was a good move, which was the right move. A good move for you to make. If you are looking for a home, it's a call Jennifer Morris. Reach out to Jennifer Morris. There's a home that's getting ready to be listed in Farragut. With a pool, folks, this is a time to be in the pool in your backyard. It'll be 95 degrees this week. Today and tomorrow, it's going to be hot. Jennifer Morris. You'll know about it before most will know about it. Home getting ready to be listed in Farragut with the pool. More details, reach out to Jennifer Morris. She helped Ben McKee find their home. She's helped countless others. Part of the Swain Event family, either buy a home, sell a home, or invest in a property. but it's hard to go up against Tennessee's offense. Yes, hypo is very creative, but it's the tempo. This is what an anonymous coach said. It's the tempo. It's hard to practice it every week or practice it in a single week. And the only way you can prepare for Tennessee's offense is replicate the tempo and pace a little bit all season. So these coaches who will interview here in a couple of weeks, SEC Media Days. And when you hear them talk about how they prepare for Tennessee's offense, if they don't admit that they work on it a little bit more than within that week game week, I don't know if I believe them. They can disguise preparing for Tennessee's offense. You don't have to tell your team, all right, guys, here's period four. We're working on Tennessee's offensive tempo. But wait a minute, coach. We play Missouri this week. The way you do it is say, all right, guys, we're working on going up against a team that runs offensive tempo, and we're going to say this is two-minute defense. We're working on two-minute defense here, guys. That's how you disguise it. Yeah, you're working on tempo, two-minute defense going up against tempo, thinking that that's what Missouri may do at the end of each half. But you're indirectly working on Tennessee's offense. The players just don't know it. That's how you do it. 
So anonymous coach says, you got to do it, work on it a little bit all season. And of course, one of the benefits of playing on this Tennessee defense, because there are benefits and there's downsides of playing on this Tennessee defense. There is. Pretty sure Tim Banks knew this when he took the job. Pretty sure defense coordinators knew this when they were approached about taking the job. I had spoke to a defense coordinator that wanted the Tennessee job. He did not get it, but he wanted it. And he was like, there's some coaches out here they may, they may not be attracted to this job because because of the tempo of the offense, they may feel like it puts defense at a disadvantage. I don't view it that way. I love it because I know once we get up, my defense can be even more aggressive. And we're going to get more sacks, more turnovers, more pressure. Because I know that's what Josh Hype was going to do because he starts fast. Different strokes for different folks. Different perspective. Different eyeballs. One defense coach may not like the defense that the offense puts them in. Another defense coordinator is like, oh, yeah, I love it. Tim Banks said, yeah, I love it. And that check. We've seen how aggressive this defense has been in two years. I think we feel like this defense is going to be better going into year three. But here's the last quote. When they're up on you, kneeling is a nightmare to play in. The stadium is back to the way it used to be. And we've seen some close games inside Neyland Stadium. Alabama in a win. Ole Miss in a loss. Pitt in a loss. Florida in a win. We've seen close games. And we've seen how difficult it is to get back into the game if Tennessee jumps on you. Kudos to Florida for getting back into the game and Alabama for getting back into the game. But Kentucky? Oh, boy. When Tennessee came out in those black uniforms and jumped up on Kentucky and they had problems with their offensive protection on the line, Somebody please call 911. It was over. It was over. You had the crowd rocket, making it difficult for Will Levis. Difficult for the offensive line to communicate. Defense pinning their ears back, playing aggressive. Knowing that Kentucky has to throw the football if they want to get back into the game. That is an ideal situation. That's how you draw it up. That's how you draw it up right there. C-Max says, I appreciate you extending the show so I don't have to wake up early. Still going to wake up early, C-Mac. Why are you fighting being a grown-up, C-Mac? <laughs> Why are you fighting it? Why are you fighting having to get up in the morning? You're missing so many precious moments of life. You sleep. Get your but up, C-Mac. 
And this one for Jackson. Let's go. Some fire emojis now. I have more time to ask my recruiting questions. Nathaniel, let's go. So happy the show is growing already again. Y'all deserve this and earn it. Football teachers, Swain, if you could go to a road football game at any SEC school and see a win, where would it be? Oh, ball teacher, come on now. You you know that answer. You know that answer, ball teacher. I mean, I appreciate you just asking, just to just to just to clarify, just to remove all doubt. But you know that answer. October the twenty first, Tennessee travels to Tuscaloosa. That is where. I know Tennessee plays at the Swamp. I don't really expect Florida to be all that great. Could they beat us? Yeah, they could. I didn't expect South Carolina to be great either. And they dang sure didn't disappoint or prove me wrong in their game before our game when they played Florida and looked like trash. And then next week, look like the Kansas City Chiefs. Funny how sports work. But it's not the Florida game. It's the Bama game. October 21st. Swain, how are you feeling about Mike Matthews? Guess who that question is from, folks? It's from Nelson and Jackson. <laughs> I, feel, I feel great about Mike Matthews. He's the five-star receiver. I feel great about him. Everything I've heard is positive. Everything. Very talented. Five-star receiver from, from Georgia. July's going to be a big month, I'm telling you. It's going to be a huge month. Pumped. It's going to be a fun run. So get ready. Fall teacher, will you be in attendance October 21st? Oh, I'll be in attendance. Plan on it. I plan on reporting from the sideline for Vault Network. Same way I did on the road at South Carolina, on the road at Georgia. Woo! That was something. That crowd was rocking. But yeah, I plan to be there. It will be my first trip back to Tuscaloosa since 2005. Big shot, Rob. The defense is actually a lot better than people want to give it credit for. People love to crap on Banks, but I think he's doing okay considering the circumstances. LOL. The only thing I would change about this text, I would change the word okay. I think he's doing better than okay. Way better than okay. Tennessee is not supposed to be leading the SEC or being one of the leaders in the SEC at tackles for loss. When you look at the depth and the talent that Tim Banks has had in two years at Tennessee. See, nobody's going to say that from the coaching staff. 
because that would be throwing your players under the bus. And there has not been any, any type of mention of anything negative publicly. Remember what this coach staff inherited. Remember what they needed to create to get the best out of these players. These players were beat down mentally and emotionally before Hypo and company got here. So that's not going to work with this group. Positive reinforcement needed to be the game plan. And that's what you get inside these four walls in the complex. And it's, it works for Tennessee. Every coach and staff have their own, they have their own style. But you're getting results with this approach. So you're not going to hear anything negative about a roster or what we didn't do. It's always going to be positive publicly. Are we going to hold you accountable? Absolutely. Are we going to correct mistakes? Absolutely. But you're not going to hear anyone from Tennessee say, hey, man, we think Tim Banks has done a great job considering a lot of dudes on this defense wouldn't start at our opposing, uh, you know, our opponents or our rivals. Like, nobody's saying that. Who's saying that? That's throwing the players right under the bus. But I have a responsibility to you, the listener, as well as the responsibility to the team that we're talking about, to be fair. Which is why sometimes this job, it can be a little bit touch and go. <laughs> There's topics and situations that come up where eh, eh, we, we, we got to be careful because it's, it's difficult, but it's part of it. But we got a responsibility. Be fair to you. One thing I'm not going to do is, is is let Tim Banks and let the coach staff get crushed for things that's not entirely their fault. When the opposing team has better talent and they're having more results, I'm not going to sit there and let our coaches get crushed when they don't have as much talent. And I'm sorry, there's going to be times when the players – May, it may sound like they're getting thrown under the bus. And there's going to be times when maybe the coaching staff may feel like they're getting thrown under the bus. But I don't think it's fair for anybody to be unfairly blamed for something. I just think that's fair. The way I judge the coach, what do you do when you don't have talent? And then what do you do when you do have talent? Two thousand sixteen, two thousand fifteen, talent everywhere, and we didn't get the results we thought we were going to get. And people knew right then. Yep, this ain't gonna last long. But I can see how good Tim Banks is. 
how he communicates with his guys, even having limited depth and talent. I'm not saying you don't have talent. It's just limited versus what you need to compete at the level you want to compete at. So, only thing I would change about that message, Big Shot Rob, is where you said I think he's doing an okay job considering circumstances. I would say I think he's doing a really good job considering the circumstances. Sometimes defense coordinators are head coaches or defense coordinators at the professional ranks. What do I mean by that? The general manager, they're responsible for bringing in talent. And then the coach is responsible for coaching them. And if the general manager don't do their job correctly and don't bring in the right talent, it puts the coach in a really bad situation. Now, at this level, the college level, you have college coaches, coordinators, who are more involved in the selection of players and bringing in players. But they're not recruiting every single player that they get. They do have a say. 100%, they do have a say. But Tim Banks didn't have much of a say when he first got here. Now he does. When you're in the recruiting room and you're having those recruiting war room conversations and you're asking yourself, is this guy that I can see playing in my defense in a year or two or even right now? So, yeah. All right, I'm going to hit the phone lines. Good morning. Who do we have with us? Justin in Florida. Justin in Florida, man. I've been sitting here talking to myself. Now I can talk to you. Good morning. Well, I just wanted to call and say hello. I know uh, without Ben, it's uh, man, it's it's got to be a challenge. I mean, you, you've got to you got to carry the whole load. That's all right. Yeah, you know, so- with topics and commentary. I mean, no, no better guy in the business to, to handle that, but. Um, wanted to ask with regards to Tim Beck mm-hmm. and Swain, you haven't played at this, at this level at UT back, you know, when UT was, you know, at the top. Okay. What about <sighs> the hurt. philosophy on, <laughs> on the front? <laughs> that hurt. Yeah. I heard just that. That hurt. I, I ain't gonna lie. I, I, Hey, listen, man. It, it's a it, it's a compliment and a backhanded slap at the same yeah, time. I know yeah, it, it hurt. Mm. Yeah, I'll be all right. I, I, I know, brother. I put some ice on it. With re- <laughs> with regards to Tim Banks' philosophy on like the front four and the guys in the trenches up front, uh, what, what do you call them? The, the what is it? The Silverback silver gorillas. Okay, <laughs> so. It seems like we go after these high-profile defensive line guys, and we're looking at them on the interior of the defensive line. But these other schools, like the Georgias, you know, Alabamas, you know, you know, some of these other schools, they're they've got them more on the outside. Is that a Rodney Garner thing, or is that a Tim Banks defensive philosophy thing? In your opinion. I think if you're Tim Banks, you, you lean on Rodney Garner's experience and you have a conversation and you say, all right, what do you see this guy playing? 
uh, I think ultimately, like, Tim Banks, you're a defense coordinator. But, like, you have to consider Rodney Garner's experience and say, hey, man, like, wh- where do you see this player? Do you see him having the same explosiveness if we add 10, 15 pounds on him? Is he a guy that we see playing, you know, inside? Is he a guy that we can put on the inside and outside depending on certain situations? We saw Tyler Barron play different positions based on down and distance. And so part of your recruiting pitch to these players is kind of sharing your vision for them. And that's tough because players have it in their mind of what they think they are and what you see them as. Jason Witten saw himself as a defensive end. Bro, you you not a defensive end, not a starter. You can be a defensive end in practice, but you ain't going to be one in the games consistently. We see you as a tight end. We see you being a really good tight end. And then we saw what happened when he made that move, that made that switch. But sometimes players don't want to hear what the experienced coach, what the expert thinks they should play at. They want to play the position where they think they want to play. It's like growing up and you have all the kids that want to play quarterback. Okay, Timmy, you want to be a quarterback, but you you haven't thrown a spiral in the last 10 throws, and you're barely throwing it past 15 yards. You, you're not a quarterback. You're a tight end. And this is where you're going to have to play if you want to play football. So you move Timmy to tight end, and he has to take it because you either play tight end or you don't play at all. Well, when you're recruiting players out of college, if sometimes you tell a player the truth, where you think they should play, they might not come to your school, Justin. And so what do you do? You tell them what they want to hear (laughs) to get them on campus? Or do you tell them the truth, risking them not coming to your school at all? And I think this is where relationships come into play and trust comes into play. When you have a strong enough relationship with a recruit you've built over time, man, you can have those, those true conversations like, yeah, this old school might tell might tell you that this is your position for the future, but this is what I see in you, and this is why. And I think the relationships that have the best trust between a coach and a prospect are the ones that can have the, the most truthful dialogue like that. And so that's what Tennessee has to fight right now, Justin, is, all right, man, you got some competitors letting or, or telling a player that he can play this position, but we see you as this position that may not be what you want to play. How's that going to shake out? And we'll see in the next couple right. of months. Right. No, it, but it's more so. And I, and I agree with that. Everything you said, I think is a hundred percent spot on. My question is more of the focus. Cause it seems like a lot of the defensive linemen we go after are below 270 pounds. I just haven't seen us in three years go after that you know, high school prospect that's necessarily already 300 pounds. I like getting, I like getting dudes like Darnell Wright. I mean, uh, D- uh, Darnell Taylor, uh, Darrell Dar- Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. Darrell Taylor. I like getting yeah. guys like that. Not every defensive lineman. I like getting guys who day one can get in there and contribute, even though I know it's hard to do in this conference, but I like getting guys that you, you look at and you go, man, we can we can put a couple pounds on him. 
Man, he can be this. The Robert Ayers. We can put gotcha. a couple pounds on him. Man, he can be this. Because you got to factor in, we get somebody that are, we get somebody come in at 300 pounds, you know what's going to happen. They're going to gain weight. When that happens, are they going to be the same player or not? Okay. Because everybody so gains weight. So is it easier to take a guy that, you know, I guess is – I mean, let, let's be honest. A guy who's 6'5", 250, you know, that's probably not that difficult to say, yeah, we project him after three years getting up to, you know, 285, 290 you know, because his frame can carry. Is that easier to put on that weight versus taking a guy who's, you know, 6'4", 300 and going, okay, we want to keep you at 300. We just need to get rid of the bad weight and put on the good weight. I think every player goes through that, Justin, where there's bad weight to get rid of and there's good weight to, to put on. And for guys like Squirrel White, it's just it's just good weight to put on. Uh, but I think every player goes through right, that right. regardless of the, of, of the position. But, like, to answer your questions – you know, more simple, like, yeah. And okay. the, the the players right. that you are, I think, referring to, the guys who are already at the ideal weight that can come in and contribute day one, man, those are, those are five stars. Like, those are high four stars, five-star players that are day one contributors. And I don't think there's a lot of them out there. in high school that can come in day one in the SEC and be like the dude. Yeah. It's just not a lot. That's, 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 that's hard to do. It's the toughest position to come in and contribute day one is on the offensive line and defensive line. It's the hardest position because physically most guys are not on par with everybody else. Everybody else has been in a strength uh, program for multiple years. Gotcha. So. All right. Well, I appreciate that clarification, man. I was just, you know, when talking philosophy, I just wanted to to know, is that like a, like a DC philosophy? Is it a D line philosophy? Like who kind of, you know, I, I guess changes and molds their, their group to you know how the you know maybe the coordinator wants it but yeah i I think every d-line dc combo has different dynamics trust level based on um their relationship and experience and and so this is the third year that rodney and tim will be coaching together and and so I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know exactly what those conversations are like. And does Rodney take guys or have the authority to take guys that maybe Tim Banks doesn't think he should take? Um, I like I don't I don't know that. Like I, I don't I don't sit in those meetings. I don't know. I haven't talked to them about that. I haven't heard any answers from questions asked about that from anybody else. Like I don't I don't know that dynamic. Um, I would assume that the staff meets as a whole and when one coach who is coaching DB, but he's recruiting a player that's a defensive lineman because that's in his recruiting area, a territory that the position coach, the position, uh, the, the position coach that that player will be 
with, if he's at Tennessee, the recruiting coach, regardless of what position he coaches, and then the coordinator, those three coaches, and maybe sometimes two, they're having a conversation about their prospect and being on the same page. Like, that's what I would hope. Because that's, that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to be. Just got to be on the same page about a, a certain player. But, uh, man, hell of a question. And I appreciate the phone call, my man, Justin. All right, let me hit this text box and um, get ready for the 4th of July. And by the way, we doing a show on the 4th. Come on, man. We got come on. we got to do a show on the 4th. I know it's a holiday. I know people are going to be off. I'll be off sports animal cumulus. It's corporate. But I'm not going to take off on the Swain event. No, we're doing a show. The show starts at 8 a.m. What you going to be doing at 8 a.m. anyways on the 4th? Huh? You going to sleep in? You're not going to be able to. Why? Because you used to get up every morning at a certain time. So you think just because you got the 4th off, you're going to be able to sleep through your alarm or your natural body alarm. You're not going to be able to sleep. Get your ass up. Sweet event. 8 a.m. We're going to be here. We here. We're going to be here. July 4th, and you're not going to be popping fireworks off at 8 a.m., are you? What else you got to do? We're going to be here live on the 4th. Celebrating Terry. We celebrating Terry on July 4th. We can't take that day off. That's what we're going to be doing. So it doesn't stop. If you miss on the 4th, which I don't think that would be a good idea, on the 5th in the morning, we'll be right here for your ride to work. We'll be right here. So programming note for next week. We will do a show. Bag up, bag up, bag up, Terry. What they refer, Terry? We will be doing a show. C Mac sleeping in on the Fourth of July. Why? What's sleeping in? Seven, eight o'clock. That's 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 sleeping in. Get up. Get the crust out of your eyes. Brush your teeth. Tap in, 8 a.m. Eastern, Swain event. We're going to be here. So we're doing a show. Nelson says, uh, celebrating Braylon Staley, too, after he commits. Hey, whatever, man. Whoever whoever commits, we'll be talking about it. We'll be celebrating right here at 8 a.m. on the 4th of July. We'll be here. I hope you are, too. Man, big thanks to Ben McKee for uh, joining the show via phone. Dropping all that baseball knowledge on us. A lot going on. 
really interesting question that was posed about energy, attention towards Tennessee baseball. I think it has surpassed Tennessee basketball. And that's okay because all sports are humming. So that's, that's, that's not a bad thing in my opinion, but I think Ben is right. But good stuff by Ben as always on his coverage of, of Tennessee, Tennessee baseball. If you miss any part of the show, the podcast will be up as soon as the show is over. Tuesday. Swain event will be doing a show on the fourth. So lock it in. And thanks for locking in with us today on a beautiful Thursday here in East Tennessee. The Swain events fueled by Dead End Barbecue. For Ben McKee, I'm Jason Swain. Peace and love. We are out.